Combine continues progressing as it is day two of the Combine. As we went from talking to coaches, to coaches and players, and the workouts are to come and much, much more. Welcome into another NFL Combine edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad here with you in Indy alongside Mike Nislik and Andrew Gillis. And guys, what well, made uh, today being Wednesday so interesting is, you know, we already talked to Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor. We broke that down the other day. And now we got Lou Anarumo. We got Darren Simmons, Brian Callahan, and even Frank Pollock. And I want to kind of talk about some interesting things they said and to kind of get your all's thoughts on it. Uh, and, of course, we'll sort of set the stage for some names to watch tomorrow uh, with the workouts officially kicking off at Lucas Oil Stadium. I want to start with Lou Anarumo because uh, he was one of the first coordinators to speak. And because um, on top of the fact that, you know, we've mentioned him being back for his fifth, day, fifth straight season with Brian Callahan, there's one thing that interested uh, me with Lou Anarumo today. And, you know, he said that what stood out to him this year with the defense was consistency. He said that that's what he wants to keep into next year. Of course, one thing that wasn't so consistent, as we've talked about on this podcast, was the pass rush and getting to the quarterback. You know, he said that he likes to add rushers, like he, like he likes to add corners, but that he's not very worried about the pass rush because he said that, oh, are we, you know, we being the Bengals, are we number one in QBR? Oh, I think so. I double-checked, and the Bengals were actually third in opposing, I should add. They were third in opposing QBR. Uh, so he was close. Uh, Andrew was close. So he does make a point in that, yeah, they did get to the quarterback, but – is he downplaying what they need in the pass rush, or are we just maybe reading too much into the pass rush not being effective last year? You know, I, I think you can kind of make a point that, you know, not, not to just kind of repeat what, what every scout or coach or general manager will tell you, but, I mean, it, it really is true that you can never have enough pass rushers. Um, you know, I think you could always kind of look for improvements there. I, I don't know how many teams – you know, there are a few positions, you know, Frank Pollock kind of mentioned them today, you know, offensive line, DBs, like you can kind of go kind of pick some positions of, you know, re- guys you can really just never have enough of and guys you or positions you really never want to stop trying to improve at, um, you know, and, and pass rush is certainly one of them. Um, you know, if you can get after the passer, you can you can do a lot, um, but not only in the like in the run game or or up front, but kind of in your secondary too. So, you know, I, I think that um, w- when you have a unit that was good, I think it's fair to call them, you know, a- anywhere from average to good, the the Bengals pass rush. Uh, you obviously want to improve that. They're trying to get to another level. Um, I think there's an interesting discussion of how and, and kind of if the guys that they have can do that, you know, make it a truly elite pass rush like they would want it to be. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, you, I, I, you know, to me, the, you're just kind of looking at, Something where he's saying, you know, we, we always want to get better and the, and we always try to improve in the pass rush. Well, I think the drop-off, too, was pretty substantial from that first group to the second group. I think they have very good pass rushers, but I don't think their pass rush um, was necessarily consistently effective. And uh, part of that QBR rating in terms of production was, you know, the secondary um, was pretty effective at times, too. So, um, you know, that's not all on the, uh, the defensive line. Um, I just think that they could use uh, a guy in that second group, um, especially since, you know, Sav Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson both miss games and it's hard that those guys take a beating. 
um, that they need some added uh, depth. But I mean, I think like star power in terms of like a guy that can get to the quarterback, because uh, I just don't think they have that when Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson have to come off the field. Or when DJ Reader came out the field, it made it harder on Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson. So I think, um, you know, I, I get what Lou is saying. He's saying that they, um, I think, um, ha- are effective, but also can scheme around those things. Um, but I think that, you know, they could make that life easier on themselves, too. You know, he was asked about kind of what he said to Joseph Osai, you know, at the end of the year because of what happened at the end of the conference championship game and you know he said that he he hugged them he told them to move on from it and I think he was asked like do you know do you think Osai could be a starter if like you hypothetically didn't have Hubbard or Hendrickson or say you put him on another team without those guys and he said maybe um I, and I actually agree with that I think it's definitely possible but you know I think like you said Mike um there's good pass rushers they just need to work around that scheme um, and again, like the good thing with the combine is tomorrow being Thursday, defensive linemen, edge rushers, and interior guys are all going to be uh, working out. So they're going to have a really close eye on that position, you know, on Thursday. Um, but I think also when you think about the fact that, you know, Lou Anarumo and Brian Callahan, to get to Callahan here, you know, they both interviewed for coaching positions, both with the Cardinals, Callahan with the Colts, you know. And Rumo said he was a little disappointed he didn't get the Cardinals job, but he's more excited to be back in Cincinnati. And it seems like, you know, one thing I think that Callahan talked about that I wanted to get to is, you know, when you're interviewing for a job like that, like he was for the Indianapolis Colts job, and ironically, we're in Indy, right? He talks about that being an Indian, you know, it kind of gives you a broader sense of like how to view an organization, how to view a franchise structurally, not just from a roster building standpoint. I mean, how do you maybe see Callahan and Anna Rumo bringing in their own special juice, like obviously doing what they've been doing, but maybe adding to that. You, you think maybe there's something that they've kind of learned from this offseason that they'll apply moving forward into 2023? Uh, what, what do you mean by that? Like that they've taken from what, like their interviews is what you're saying? Like, right. You, like, do you think just being in those like interviews, like being in those like processes, like do you think they learn anything that they can maybe apply just to like building on next season and making it better. What would that you know, even look like? I mean, you just do as far as like s- just, just schemes yeah, or a- just. Well, yeah, but they're not learning schemes from the people they're interviewing with. They're doing a two hours. Or like, for, like looking for players, for example, like obviously that's more of a Duke Tobin scouting thing, but maybe like looking for certain players at certain positions, like pass rush, like we talked about or offensive line, which we're going to get to yeah. as well. Like, but that's not yeah. part of, job process like they're not yeah, searching I, for a player I, I don't know if you I think you learn I think that's applicable if you're talking about interviewing for a coordinator position or kind of down the hierarchy um, you know like if you're if you're a quarterbacks coach interviewing for an offensive coordinator job uh, you know and you're and you're moving over to um, you know you're, you're moving over to talk to the head coach of a team and the off or you know the head coach of a team or assistant head coach whoever it is and you're talking scheme with them. I think you can kind of do that. I think you can kind of learn some stuff, but you know, if you're interviewing for a head coach, I'm like, I don't know what kind of lessons you can, you can take from that. I, I mean, I think the bigger point is that um, you've got two guys who the league clearly values at least in some way as a potential head coach in, uh, in the future. And I mean, you've still got them on staff. Um, so to me, I, I don't know if you can really learn anything from that. It's interesting. Cause again, I, I kind of looked at it as like, you know, 
I mean, you're not necessarily, I'm not saying it's like, oh, you're learning to be like a GM, but like when you kind of talk to those GMs and those owners and you kind of see what they look for in a coach, then maybe they kind of learn some things like, oh, maybe a team looks for this or looks for that. And maybe they apply that to strategy and scheming. And again, I'm, you know, we're not in those meetings. We're not in those interviews. I'm just being hypothetical here, but with Callahan, just getting back to the X's and O's, you know, one of the big things he talked about was Joe Mixon. Um, he kind of just said the same thing he usually says, which is that, you know, they're focused on efficiency in the run game. He thought he got that from Mixon, and part of why maybe it might have dropped was because of the, you know, snap count or how many reps he got, you know, getting snaps in game, but that he wants to use the offseason to just build on that, to be more efficient and to get that consistency. Did you guys maybe get the sense that they're willing to keep Mixon, but maybe – have like a mix-in rookie running back punch? Or what do you kind of take from Callahan just talking about, you know, the future with Mixon, which, you know, obviously he's not the one deciding whether he stays or goes, but assuming you have him, do you think maybe they're comfortable with him, like with a kind of a, another running back behind him? I think the answer was pretty clear that, or I mean, you know, you have to read between the lines, but that right. if, if he restructures his deal, like there's probably something to be said, but – it might be hard to bring him back on that full salary, just given his production um, and things. Um, and so, yeah, I think the option would be then to draft a rookie uh, running back. I don't think they, um, you know, I, I, looking at the free agents, I'm not sure there's anybody that really fits kind of the bill, what they're looking for. I think Callahan laid out um, kind of, you know, the uh, qualities they're looking for. I mean, obviously, I think explosiveness is at the top of the list. And so uh, guys that can get to the second level, guys that can break tackles, guys that have that, that kind of um, second-level speed. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's probably the direction they're going in. Um, but I think they'd be willing to bring back Joe Mixon, um, like I said, at a lower cost just because they're in a cap-saving mode to kind of afford what they can afford. Um, and Mixon, I think, is at a spot in his career where he's probably not worth $13 million or – what was it 12, 12 something? The 12 13, something, I believe. 13.13. Yeah. 13. Um, there you go. He's going to be able to next year. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with Mike. I think you kind of look at this and, you know, I mean, not kind of, um, you know, not to go un, uh, unstated. Uh, Samaje Pirine is also a pending free agent, too. Of course. Um, right. You know, so, so I understand that it's just a backup running back. Um, but if, you know, it kind of feels like, you could really kind of reset the running back position if you wanted to, um, you know, what you could, like if you can, you know, cut Mixon and, and let P Ryan go. And then all of a sudden you're kind of starting over at running back, kind of like you're at uh, like where you're at at tight end, uh, at least right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there's a couple different ways you could do it. Um, but I, you would assume that they would like to have this kind of figured out in the next two or so weeks because, you know, Samaj P Ryan and Joe Mixon and, you know, the explosiveness that, you know, Brian Callahan and some of the other guys we're talking about. I mean, those are pretty three, uh, pre pretty clearly different uh, archetypes for, for running back. So you, you kind of have a want to have an idea of, uh, of what you're going after. And that's kind of why I mentioned that. I was like, you know, is it Mixon and then a rookie or is it completely different? Because like you said, P. Ryan's a free agent. So is it like you let him walk, get someone for just as cheap in the draft? because we're in the combine this week, which is fitting. So you got all those names that come up that we've talked about, you know, and then, you know, like Mike said, do you kind of restructure him? Because we can all agree he's not worth the 13.1 mil that Andrew pointed out. And I think Mixon's at a point where like, he knows he might not get the same anywhere else, or, I mean, he might get the same money somewhere else, but why not just take it coming back to a team that you're familiar with as just as familiar with you. 
Um, again, we'll, we'll see what happens and how that plays out in free agency and with the draft, but I really think that's a very realistic scenario. And if you kind of read between the lines, like Mike said, that's really, I think, what you take away from that. Another thing I thought that was interesting before we go to break is with, with Callahan, he talked about, you know, Hayden Hurst and how, and he said this, like, you know, respectfully, like, he didn't expect the explosiveness that he saw from Hayden Hurst is how he put it to kind of paraphrase. Um, and I think that's where Hayden Hurst really marketed himself and made a case for being one of the better tight ends in league. Obviously, maybe not like top five, but just one of the better guys at his position. Um, and I think it really shows just how much they want him and how much they value him in, his, in that offense. You know, but of course, it all comes down to like, you know, and Mike and I talked about this a few weeks ago, you know, what does Hayden Hurst want? What is he looking for? Does he want the money? Does he just want somewhere to be home? You know, when you kind of see how Callahan and that offense values him, does it maybe kind of lend you to think maybe you lean in the direction of thinking that Hayden Hurst has a good shot of maybe choosing to stay in Cincinnati and being with an offense that values that explosiveness he brings? Well, you know, I, I thought kind of like Mike said, you kind of have to read between the lines with the mix and answer. I think you can kind of read between the lines at least a little bit on this one. Um, you know, they liked what Mitchell Wilcox did. Uh, as a backup tight end. So there's, I mean, if you're going to re-sign him, he's he's restricted. So, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different parameters. It's not you know, free-for-all for the other teams. So, you know, if you want to bring back him, it would be relatively easy. Um, but then with Hayden Hurst, you know, they talked about kind of the the development process for tight ends and how it takes a little bit longer for, for tight ends to kind of do that in a um, uh, in an NFL world. And, and if you're going to to bring a tight end in, you know, specifically a rookie tight end, I mean, I don't know how many tight ends are coming in and and immediately kind of having that impact. You know, you think of like a Darnell Washington, like, okay, he was a backup tight end at Georgia. That's because the guy in front of him is great. But is he ready for a starting role in the NFL? You know, is Dalton Kincaid uh, ready? Like you can kind of go down the list. And if this team wants to win now, kind of like they indicated yesterday with the Higgins stuff and, and everything that they talked about, I think you can you can kind of say that, you know, if it's not Hurst, I think you could make a pretty compelling case that it's a better end tight end. Yeah, I think they want something that could, you know, contribute right away. And I think Hayden Hurst fits that bill. I think it'll depend on what he's looking for salary-wise because there's probably a number that they can't reach up to. Um, and, you know, I think uh, Duke Tobin said that basically with a lot of these guys, um, if they're, you know, not willing to maybe take a little bit less or at least, um, uh, you know, a more modest number, then what maybe they could get at like top dollar value, then like a lot of these, you know, it's going to be tough just because there's not enough uh, cash to spread around. So, um, yeah, I think they want them back, but that number's still got to be right. And I think that's kind of the looming question mark over all these these 19 free agents. It's like, can we make it all fit together? And I think that's uh, the challenge Duke Tobin talked about yesterday, that they've got a lot of um, – a lot of questions and it's hard to make all that math work. Yeah. And like, that's why I kind of mentioned, you know, Hayden Hurst, cause like he's, he's a big part of that question mark of, you know, what's going to happen in free agency. But, you know, speaking of question marks, when we come back, we're going to talk about some question marks on special teams, because as much as we've talked about it, there's a lot more question marks we need to discuss. Plus we'll set the stage for Thursday's workouts and the rest of the weekend. When we come back right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey there, it's Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast. You might be wondering, what exactly is Cincinnati Football Insider? Well, it's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the Strictly Stripes podcast and the reporters who cover the team. And that would be me, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nislik. 
It works like this. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. It's the inside scoop on what we're hearing, and we'll give you the inside word before it even hits social media. Being an insider is the best way to participate with the podcast and get in on special events and Zoom calls with me, Mike, and Andrew. And the best part is you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, other social media, and avoid the trolls for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Well, just try it for two weeks, and if you don't like it, you can text the word STOP at any time, but you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. Here's the best way to get on board. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or if it's easier, text 513-940-4193. It's a great time to try the two weeks free, as we'll be reporting live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Plus, we'll be covering free agency on the way to the NFL Draft in April. Give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text this number again. It's 513-940-4193 and become an insider today. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we talked about the big things from Luana Rumo, from Brian Callahan, as far as things that matter going into uh, the offseason and free agency. You know, before the break, I mentioned special teams because we did talk to Darren Simmons, who's entering, believe it or not, his 21st season as Bengals special teams coordinator, which is, that's amazing. I still can't believe that. But he knows a thing or two about special teams, which shows that, you know, there's a lot of interesting things he talked about with, you know, punter. And the biggest thing to kind of back up what Zach Taylor said that I forgot to mention, which is that, you know, they welcome competition at punter. Uh, we talked about Drew Chrisman already. We kind of did that position review last week. You know, the highs and the lows, literally and figuratively. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense to bring in competition given that, you know, he didn't play football for a year in some way just because he was a free agent and then kind of gets thrown into an interesting spot midway through the year. So I think it makes sense to bring in competition, you know, for him. We already mentioned some names prospect-wise that, you know, are worth watching at the Combine. I already listed them out. But to kind of get to it, I mean, how much confidence do you have that, you know, whoever the Bengals bring in? Well, actually, let me start with this first. Do you get the sense that maybe, this is crazy to think, but like if you're in the seventh round and there's a punter on the board, could you see the Bengals actually going for that? Is that a crazy thought, or could that actually be a real real idea? No, I think Simmons kind of said that that's not really on the table. Um, you know, he said that the depth in this draft isn't very good, so you wouldn't waste a seven-round pick when you can get him for, as an undrafted free agent. He was talking about punters or kick returners? Because he did say that. He was talking about punters. punters when he said that? Okay, I thought he meant kick returners. My bad. Got you. So then as far as competition goes, I mean, they're going to bring someone in, no matter who it is. Do you envision that? Maybe this is a bold prediction because we don't know who the person is, but how hard is it going to be for Drew Crispin to keep his job? Like, do you think maybe he showed that he's vulnerable to not being the starting guy next year? Or I guess how vulnerable? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, to me, like, Crispin came in and, um, you know, obviously it, you know, it's I mean, Kevin Huber and and Clark Harris are going to move on, um, you know, and they played a lot of games. So, like, it kind of felt like a passing uh, passing of the torch. And, uh, you know, you really kind of looked at it and were like, okay, you know, now it's Chrisman's time. And he just never, like like Simmons said today, you know, he had some good punts and, you know, there were some spots where he, he kind of bailed him out. Um, but to me, 
there was just never a a moment where you were like, okay, now he's he's fully asserted himself as as the team's punter. Like, you know, he didn't pin. You know, there's there's not really like a moment in in your mind where you know, okay, in this game he really flipped field position and and really played a big part in a win. Um, so, I mean, whenever you're a young guy like that trying to establish yourself and you don't kind of have those moments, yeah, I mean, I think you know every position in the NFL really is. Uh, you know, or most of them are, are up for grabs every training camp. And, you know, especially punter, if, uh, if you're not doing, doing what you need to be, do, need to be doing. Yeah. I mean, he's the guy on a, you know, minimum contract type of deal. I mean, I would expect that they could easily find, you know, competition and that could easily flip the flip, flip the position, you know, flip who's the starter. And as far as other positions, I mean, he sounded pretty set on Cal Adamitis. We talked about that contract he signed, um, of course, he's the only long snapper on the team, so they might want to have some depth or at least someone on the practice squad. But he's the guy. looks like the end of Clark Harris in Cincinnati has pretty much come. So we already mentioned that. But kick returner, punt returner, sort of an interesting area because Trent Taylor is a free agent, and he was very high on Trent Taylor. Said that Simmons said that Taylor had one of the best years of his career at punt returner. Kick returner is also a concern because you have Travion Williams, who's a free agent. Um, they have Brandon Wilson, who was a returner two years ago, but ever since he tore his ACL midway in 2021 and basically missing all of last year, they've had to rely on Williams, Chris Evans, who's kind of been a question mark with his own injuries and just kind of issues he's had uh, offensively and just running the ball. So, you know, how much do you think they look at that, you know, in the combine? I mean, like you said, they're not going to draft a punter. The depth isn't really there at punter could say the same about kick return or punt return. I mean, how much do you think they address that? Do you think it's more about just keeping Trent Taylor and settling him in? Do you keep Travion Williams and hope that he can do it? Or do you try to see if Chris Evans is up for it and then maybe have someone behind him to compete for that? How do you kind of assess that? It depends on the running back situation, I think. Um, Yeah. You know, because like I said, with with P. Ryan and Mixon, like, you know, if if you're going to bring in a guy who who is a burner – you know, there you go. You know, there's your there's your third down running back. There's your you know your kind of scat back who's also going to return kicks and punts maybe for you. So uh, I, I think it depends on that. You know, if if you feel okay with you know maybe you sign somebody in free agency. Like I, I think it kind of depends what happens at running back to me. Um, and I think you're kind of you know you're going to be able to find out your answer kind of what they do there. Also, I didn't think he was quite as high on Trent Taylor as you did. He uh, said that he had a career year, but also said that they put out the ball on the ground multiple times and how unacceptable that yeah. was and how bad that Damn. was. And that was a sort of direct uh, criticism. Like, yeah, you could be productive, but you can also, it doesn't matter. Cause he said the goal is to give the ball to the ref. So I think that that's not sort of a ringing endorsement. Um, I didn't think Travion Williams got a ringing endorsement. He basically said they were forced on that uh, because Chris Evans was made inactive because of other decisions on the roster. Um, you know, they don't, you don't draft for special teams, I don't think, but you, it's like an extra plus for like a receiver or for, um, you know, uh, a guy in the secondary that can do those things well. Um, so I, and I, he said, you know, hopefully they land somebody that has the versatility to do both. Um, so it's not something you're like, I'm drafting a punt returner here. You're drafting a wide receiver with those right. skills. And so I think that's a factor, um, certainly, cause I don't think that they got the production that they wanted in either spot. 
And it all just kind of ties back to the running back situation, like Andrew mentioned. What happens in that room with the free agent like Travion, and, and you know what they decide to do uh, as far as like if they want to pick a running back in the draft, what kind of versatility that X Y Z running back brings. But to kind of wrap up here before we set the stage for the week, um, I did want to get to Frank Pollock. Uh, he talked a lot about just the moving parts on the line, all the injuries that we've you know, had no shortage of discussions of. And I know you guys kind of talked to him about, like, kind of what the anticipation is with Jonah, you know, with Lyle Collins, you know, who I think is the biggest question mark on the offensive line right now. And, of course, what did Jackson Carmen, you know, show at left tackle and what can he show going into next year? I guess from talking to him, just because he talked about so many things, I just want to jump into you guys and ask, I mean, what do you make of, kind of for what Frank Pollock assessment of the offensive line is and like how much do you think changes or doesn't change is based on what he presented uh, to the media today? Well, Frank's not in a position to sort of change it. I mean, he's sort of basically said, you know, we'll live with what we got until I think it's different because, I mean, that's really his job. Um, I still think the uncertain, you know, uh, Jonah Williams, I think, in terms of his long-term prospects for the team, I think it's interesting Just you know, I don't, I don't get the sense that, they're in a rush to sign him, and and you know that that I think is interesting going forward with that group. I'm not sure what it means for next year. I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to move him to right tackle. It looks like so, uh, but beyond that, I think that's the interesting question. Um, you know, to me, I think Leal Collins you release, but um, you know, I, th- I think they 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 have more medical information and probably more comfortable with kind of um, where that situation's at. And we we don't we just don't know that part of it. Yeah, uh, I, I know this isn't what you asked, but I thought, um, you know, one of the more interesting quotes about the offensive line today actually came from from Brian Callahan. Um, you know, Callahan got asked, you know, uh, you know, how, how you how do you feel about the other four guys, you know, aside from Collins? And, you know, in his answer, he said with Jonah, where he's at contractually, you're always looking for guys uh, when you where you have one eye toward the future and what that looks like, whether it's him or somebody else. So to me, that kind of illuminated the fact that, you know, the Bengals are kind of looking at this situation like they might need two tackles at some point in the near future, whether that's, you know, a year from now or, you know, this year. Like I, I think that, you know, to me that kind of indicated that they are maybe more open to tackle than than we thought uh, in the draft, and, and we kind of knew that they were interested already. So um, the, the tackle position to me, um, I know it didn't come from Frank, but, um, you know, when you, when you talk to, you know, everybody in kind of totality put everything together that that position really kind of uh, rose above today yeah I, I think yeah Andrew what you said about that I mean that makes a lot of sense to me as far as where they want to go with that and you know I'll keep saying what Duke Tobin said because I mean he it's cliche but it's true like you can never have an off offensive lineman in any league including the NFL and I think any team no matter how good or bad they are would love to have an additional blocker on either side of the ball left or right um, inside or outside, but especially outside at tackle, because that's where you know a lot of these concerns come from for the Bengals, more more specifically at right tackle. But to kind of just wrap up and uh, put a bow on this fine Wednesday, moving on to the rest of the week, you know, we have the defensive linemen and the linebackers working out Thursday. Um, those will be the first two position groups working out, and then you have every other position group working out, respectively, from Friday through Sunday. Um, I think that's going to be an interesting group because we've kind of talked about do the Bengals need more juice at pass rush, and we'll see. Are there maybe some mid-round guys, maybe not projects, but somewhere between like a starter and a project that 
maybe the Bengals could or should have their eyes on. We'll take a look at that tomorrow along with the linebackers. And there's one linebacker who we've mentioned on this podcast. People probably know about that. I want to talk more about tomorrow because he had some interesting tidbits for the media on Wednesday that I think the Bengals should pay attention to and much, much more. And we'll fill you in on what other prospects say in the coming days this week. But once again, for myself, Mike Nislik and Andrew Gillis, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Stay tuned with us as we bring you the Combine news you need to know.